This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This week on Hangar Talk, a very special year-end episode where we talk about the top stories of the year in GA News, starting with the economy and how completely bonkers it was. And we're going to talk about a Mooney winning a standoff with a power grid in Maryland. Also, Textron acquired Pipistrel. What will it mean for the future? And don't forget, the gamma numbers were very strong through 2022 so far. And one that we agree on, G100UL and how it will change aviation. Ian, are you ready to do the year-ender hangar talk? And this is episode 165, season seven. All right. I'm ready to do it. From AOPA, your freedom to fly. This is Hangar Talk. The 1056 turn right, heading 130, contact final 132.4. With your hosts, Ian Twombly and David Tulitz. This is Hangar Talk. Welcome to Hangar Talk, everybody. I'm Ian Twombly. And I'm David Tutlis. David, as is our custom, no guest this week. It's just going to be you and I talking about our top stories of the year. And as usual, we disagreed a little bit. Um, a little I bit. I think that's healthy. A little it bit. Is. Yeah. It is. Um, <laughs> I will say, unlike in past years, maybe nothing hugely, well, okay, with a few minor exceptions, nothing hugely earth-shattering really came out in the news this year. No, you know, we were looking at some um, some modular increases, some minor increases with technology. Things are moving ahead a little bit. We did both note that there were some supply chain issues, as a lot mm-hmm. of pilots have noted, a lot of aircraft yeah. owners have noted. But um, it's interesting. There haven't there hasn't been one single big issue. A couple of years ago, it was the Loda. I know you and Jill mm-hmm. talked about that last week uh, with yeah. the update. But um, but this year there hasn't been the one single Gotcha. As far as I can yeah. recall. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, one big uh, advocacy issue. You're right. And we'll talk about, I think, at the biggest news at the end, which is G100UL. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we disagreed a little bit, like I said. And so we're going to start with mine, and that is the GA economy okay. and how just completely nuts it was. I mean, and maybe it's just that I woke up this year. But um, as you think back to I think a lot of the conversations that I had around what was going on in GA and a lot of the news that I read, a lot of it centered around things like pilot starts, airplane shipments, the supply chain, avionics retrofit market, and and just kind of how all of that combined to make this really weird situation where um, we're bringing in lots of people into aviation. Stuff's getting a lot more expensive. It didn't necessarily follow the larger economy. Airplane prices, we know, went nuts. They did. Um, they just, they, they yeah. just climbed into the stratosphere that started happening at the end of 2021 uh, when you and I both were looking at purchasing an aircraft. And mm-hmm. we had sort of been monitoring uh, traded plane and barnstormers, you know, even controller a little bit. 
but it just went to the stratosphere. But now yeah. it's coming down to earth a little bit. So that's where I'm going to go with my side of, of your take on the economy. Yeah, you're right. Um, and we know that things are leveling out because you and I bought when it's, I, I know that if I bought, it means it was at the absolute peak, right? Uh, that's my style is to do it at the exact wrong time. So, your good, your good yeah. luck uh, trend continues. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I want to go over just a couple of numbers that I was uh, just kind of poking around with that I think are, are really interesting with this. Um, and it starts with uh, the pilot numbers. Now, we don't have the 2022 pilot numbers yet, but we do have the 2021. Okay. So I want you just to look at what's happened over the last couple of years, starting with maybe let's call it the low point, which is about 2016, I think. So the total number of pilots at that time was the FAA said was 584,000. Okay. Um, so that was, you know, we used to say around 600,000 pilots. Okay. Um, at that time, there were about 128,000 student pilots. And about, if you take away the, the not, you know, all the students and you only have the certificated pilots, you had about 455,000. Okay. okay. That's where we were. Okay, four fifty-five. In twenty, yeah, in twenty twenty-one, there were seven hundred and twenty thousand pilots. So compare that to the five eighty-four. So we're doing great, right? Huge. Well, incredible. you would, well, you would think until you get to the pilot total without student category. Yes, and it's four seventy. So which is, even which though which is about fifteen thousand more. Yeah, than, not than hugely in more. So in five years, fifteen thousand more. It's yeah, not much. Not and, and not problem, huge. The problem is that we need more than that, way more than that, as evidence. Right now, we're recording this uh, during the uh, you know Christmas to New Year's break, Ian, and people have been stranded for the past three, four days due to the infrastructure in the commercial aviation market. Yeah, and you can see that. I mean, ATPs have gone up, I think, just slightly, what, by 4,000 maybe? So they're not making pilots fast enough. What has changed in that time is the student number. And the, the low point of students was actually 2016. If you look at that, it's 128,500. Now we're that. double that, 250,000 students right now. That's incredible, Ian. That's awesome. That's that's a big that's a big increase. Now, what do you what do you um, credit that to? Well, obviously, I think it, a lot of that those people are going to go airlines. Um, as much as we would love to say that they're all going to be GA buying GA airplanes and flying and buying gas at GA airports, I think a lot of them are probably destined to the airlines. However, um, they will fly GA while until they get there. They're going to go through flight schools and fly 172s and everything else. And so if you've gone to a flight school they'll, recently. They'll pass through GA. Yes. They'll be passing through our realm yeah. for a little while. Yeah, that's exactly right. And of course, if you've gone to a flight school recently, you know that uh, it's hard to even rent an airplane now. And that's because, and this is going to lead to your gamma uh, issue, that's because despite the fact that there are double the number of students and more pilots and everything else, there are actually fewer GA airplanes today than there were in 2016 Aha. and 2017. Well, that makes sense because of uh, some attrition in the general aviation marketplace. Yep. You know, as aircraft are getting older, uh, some are t being taken out of service. You always have accidents, which we mm -hmm. will talk about a little bit mm -hmm. later as well. Yeah. But um, I, I see that. And the other thing that we, before we kind of move on uh, from this uh, a little bit more, we need to talk a little bit about, I think, the mechanics mm. and the fact that you got to have a robust aviation technical infrastructure for technicians before you can fly yeah. an aircraft yeah. like you and I. So we're pilots, we're not yeah. technicians. And that definitely led to some of the supply chain problems, um, which you mentioned. I mean, 
Uh, we had to do an engine this year. I would call places to get quotes and half the places didn't even want to quote us. They would say, nope, sorry, not going to work on it. The backlog was so big, they wouldn't even give us a time frame. Um, and I know people have been waiting months for avionics. They've been waiting months for parts and little things, as we all know, batteries, tires, oil filters, all of it. Well, let's talk about avionics real quick, because you and I are kind of in the same boat with some of this. I've been looking to upgrade the ADSB on this Piper Tri-Pacer that I bought, the vintage Tri-Pacer that my brother actually is the main owner, but I'm going to yep. fly it, which uh, thank you. Thank you again, Brother Martin. <laughs> um, but, you know, Ian, the thing is, is that I was looking at getting one of the Garmin 375 ADSB transponders and was fully moving down that road until I found out that it was a seven month waiting yep. list for that avionic. Yeah. And it's, um, that I think is not unusual. Yeah. I think it's really tough to get a lot of those, uh, newer G whiz avionics in. And, um, once you purchase them, then you have to schedule that with your, uh, mechanics or with your avionics yeah. shop. And in your case, the engine yeah. swap out. So, yeah. um, it, it's a lot of long range planning and it's pretty frustrating yeah. for a lot of pilots and a lot of owners. It really is. And so i you can clearly see from a, you know, supply and demand situation, a huge demand, a very low supply on, on all sides. And so, yeah, that, that's, what's causing some of these higher prices everywhere. So, Hey, let's move on to your number three story, which is the Mooney crash that we just recently talked about. You know, I want to tell you that um, those Moonies are strong aircrafty, and you know, yeah. all all kidding aside, now there are a lot of uh, issues and a lot of questions that we still need to get to the bottom of. Uh, Richard McSpadden mm -hmm. did, in fact, uh, produce a great early analysis on that M20J crash into the power grid at near Gaithersburg. But the aircraft, Ian, is made with this roll cage construction. And I'm just, yeah. I'm going to give kudos to the manufacturer here beside everything else. I mean, the airplane, it, it took a licking and I wouldn't say it's going to keep on ticking, but it took a licking, no. kept the pilots safe and secure. Yes, the occupants, yeah. But there are a lot of questions about that story. And the reason why I included it as one of my top stories, Ian, is that people outside of our little aviation world have been asking me about it. Uh, hmm. So that I think is significant when the general public asks about uh, an unusual aviation incident like this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for those that um, need a little refresh, we're talking about an aircraft that was on final approach to Montgomery County Airport in Gaithersburg, Maryland, not too far from uh, AOPA's home base in uh, Frederick. Um, mm -hmm. But the weather was just terrible, Ian. I took my daughter, Lauren, to Baltimore, Washington Airport that night. If y'all remember, I, I was mentioning this a few weeks ago, and it was so bad on the highway that I filed the Waze traffic reports for fog while mm. we were on the ground. So yeah. uh, it was a bad night to fly. If I yeah. if I was a commercial pilot and I had to fly passengers somewhere, I can see that. But um, I can only project myself into the future and say. I don't think I would have flown on that day myself. That's right. You're right. It did get a ton of attention. I mean, lots of national media. And that was, unfortunately, only one accident this year oh, that yeah. was like that. I mean, just right before that was the midair in Dallas, which, because there was a lot of video from a lot of different angles, got also got tons of media attention. It, that was a significant crash as well, even for the Warburg community. And we, of course, uh, lament the loss of life, you know, that, that occurred there, too. And also for the spectators that were there, a lot of folks brought their families, and that was a normally pretty upscale, you know, kind of a 
and highly anticipated Dallas air show uh, that mm-hmm. just ended in tragedy. The fact that so many folks did witness some of that uh, that Twitter and Instagram video made it even all the all the much that much worse. Again, yeah. Richard McSpadden uh, took us to the front lines of the air show and explained the uh, the air show lines that the pilots usually uh, generally adhere to, uh, mm-hmm. altitude wise and uh, and horizontal separation wise too. I learned a lot from his report, Ian. And I didn't know yep. any of that, you know. And Richard, being yeah. the former Thunderbirds lead, he really put it in perspective. Yeah, yeah, that was a great video. Boy, I hate to keep cycling through them, but we had um, the accident, the jet class at Reno. Of course, that was also big news at the time. It, it canceled the rest of the races at Reno, yeah. Ian, and that was another uh, significant event because that was um, that was an air show that people were really looking forward to. That that yeah. the races, the flying, the air show, the uh, the whole aura of that. And just within the GA community, we talked a lot about there were a couple of other mid airs, which you know, it's like maybe once a year a mid air will get some attention. But there was one in uh, Vegas uh, where it just That's seems right. like one airplane probably just lined up on the wrong runway. Um, so they came together. There was one in, at least one in California, I know that we talked about a lot. Yeah, it was a bad year for that stuff. Well, this is a good heads up for folks. Um, a couple of things that Richard McSpadden mentioned that I have been doing, and actually when you and I flew together, I meant, I said it, I verbalized mm-hmm. it uh, out loud, which is when you are on that, um, that base to final turn and you have your belly up, uh, where it kind of blocks the outside view. Yeah. You want to take extra precautions to kind of level yourself for a sec, look out over your right or your left shoulder, depending on your pattern, and uh, what he calls a belly check. And I've been verbalizing that. Mm. I think that when we look at accidents, Ian, and we try to look at, well, what's one thing we could learn from that and take away, that belly check is a pretty darn good idea. Yeah, I totally agree. That's something that everybody really should be doing. It's like, uh, while it might be kind of fun and and cool looking to do a continuous turn from downwind to final. Yeah. You do, you you just don't have a chance to clear a final, which I think is really important. So I, I was lucky. My primary instructor actually taught me that it's like on base, you look up, you know, you look upstream a little bit. It's like fine, clear on final. Okay. Now I can turn. And, um, that might be because I did actually cut somebody off once (laughs) When I was a, a young solo student. Well, that's how you learn. That is <laughs> and I exactly my, how you learn. Yeah, that's right. And I learned my lesson. Yeah, that, that's right. It's unfortunately, I mean, there's always going to be accents that we talk about, but there were, you're right, a couple of really high profile ones that uh, unfortunately got yeah. a lot of attention. So I want to talk about Textron, Pipistrel, their acquisition of Pipistrel. We haven't heard a lot about what's come of that, but I think that it has potential to be really big over the next couple of years because it marries a great technology company with the resources of a massive manufacturer. And that's when I think start, stuff can really start to happen. You know, we just talked about this a minute ago, Ian, when we were talking a little bit about the aviation economy and, and you were talking about student pilots and how many student pilots there are. And one hindrance to student pilots is the financial investment. Uh, for for mm-hmm. them or their, or be honest, or their parents, you know, either way. And yeah. so yeah. having that, um, I feel strongly that the electric um, propulsion will make a uh, will make a big dent in in student pilots. If we are able to lower the cost of entry to aviation, I think that's where the sweet yeah. spot is. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, and I've talked to other pilots about this, too. I don't know that we'll be ever able to fly hundreds and hundreds of miles on, on battery power um, solar. Yeah, I agree. I but agree. around the pattern um, where we're learning some of our basic procedures, and like we just talked about, the belly checks, 
uh, and yep. takeoffs and landings. I, I really think that if it's if it's a third the price to get started, that that's mm-hmm. that's a sweet spot. That's absolutely right. And and so my hope is here that Textron actually continues to invest in Pipistrol's manned aircraft because you can definitely see a scenario where they've essentially bought the technology and they're going to use it into potential eVTOL applications in the future or something like that. And I just hope that being a a company with a storied history in GA manufacturing, that they continue to manufacture those GA airplanes. I will say, when you put this into context, it's kind of a drop in the bucket for Textron. I mean, they paid 235 million bucks for Pipistrol. I think looking at the gamma numbers, Pipistrol, um, they might have put out something like 31 airplanes through the first three quarters of the year. And like that's how many 172s Cessna will make in a quarter. So, I mean, it's it's not going to be some huge line of business for Textron. And I will say they have a dubious history, a dubious recent history of onboarding manufacturers. Well, I mean, like, yeah, because if you go back to uh, didn't uh, Textron Cessna buy the Columbia line? A few yeah. years ago. And that was, uh, unfortunately, a disaster. It I was. mean, uh, they had some manufacturing problems with the, you know, composites. They It was a, an incredible, incredible airplane that they just didn't really support. And, and unfortunately, it, you know, they killed it. You know, um, I wonder if they didn't so. support it because they saw it as a way, a sort, some sort of competition to their, to their sweet spot, the 172 yeah. and 182 line. I mean, I just don't, I don't get it. I, those are so cool. They're, they're sleek, oh, they're, they're amazing. sexy. Yeah. Yeah, I love fast. the airplane. And they, I mean, they said it was, you know, a way to quickly and easily get into the composite manufacturing business. But, you know, then they bought Beach, the Hawker Beechcraft. And so it wasn't as much of an issue. But anyway, it's so I don't know. I hope they don't do the same to Pistol. I hope they continue to manufacture it. I hope they continue to invest in it. But, you know, time will tell, I suppose. Right. David. Yes. Bringing up kind of the economy thing again. Uh, this is one of yours, the gamma numbers, the delivery numbers, and, and how much of an impact that's had this year. Yeah, they're strong. They're strong numbers. Uh, we've reported every quarter, you know, you and I take that apart. We, we analyze that. Um, I, that's one of the things that I really enjoy and look forward to. Across the board, increases in shipments and revenue in every category during the first nine months of 2022 went up. Uh, hmm. that, that is amazing in every category in years past. Yeah. We were talking a little bit about, um, the helicopter segment where that wasn't real strong. Well, that's rebounded a little bit this hmm. year in the last couple of quarters, the, uh, the jet side of things, the turboprop side of the industry have rebounded. And, and, you know, the single engine piston models are going really strong. We're looking at, yes. um, as you mentioned, we're looking at a lot of training models that are still yeah, trying to refill those right. trainers. Yep. The one yep. thing that I haven't seen a lot of movement in, well, two actually that that really stick out to me are the um, piston twin market, um, hmm. which we haven't we haven't seen hardly any come out of Textron. I don't think they made one Baron last year. Yeah, and yeah. also their high end uh, A thirty six Bonanza. I don't I don't think they moved one of those yet up through no. the first three quarters. Yeah, that's um, a bad sign. Really right. bad sign. But but it's be, interesting. But I mean, look at look at Cirrus. I mean, they're going gangbusters. They lead the market segment every every quarter. So we talk. You bring up the piston twin. That's actually really interesting because we did talk about that. I, maybe it was into last year about how they were making Seminole Senecas, uh, Diamond was making twins, and so that has slowed down a little bit, hasn't it? And I wonder maybe if if that there was some pent up demand there. I remember a flight school owner telling me he literally could not find a twin airplane to buy anywhere in the country at one point. Um, 
maybe they've backfilled and, and kind of filled that need and there aren't, there isn't a need for any more. I don't know. That, that is, that is interesting. Well, overall multi-engine piston aircraft, like in the third quarter of 2022, there were 30, three, zero, uh, multi-engine piston aircraft hmm. delivered. Well, that's not bad, actually. That's pretty good. No, it's yeah. not bad until you look at 2019 when there were 42 in the third quarter. Really? So up, huh. that's, uh, uh, my math ain't great, but that's more than a third and almost a half. Yeah. yeah that's really interesting. Yeah. Huh. So, really uh, interesting. Yeah, 213 multi-engine piston aircraft uh, were delivered in, in 2019. I'm going back through those numbers. And r- uh, up through the third quarter now, mind you, we're not through the fourth quarter, but 101 uh, multi-engines uh, here in 2022. So about 100 less now, I'll bet we haven't seen the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah. But I, that to me is interesting. Uh, just a, just one segment, just one segment of it. That is interesting. And in fact, I, I was actually, because I'm writing a story about the supply chain for um, Pilot Magazine, I just talked to Jens Henning, who's at Gamma, and, and obviously they track this stuff, obviously, very closely. And he made an observation that I hadn't made personally in that apparently the deliveries used to be relatively even, I would say, across quarters. Uh-huh. But he said, um, starting in 2020, that a lot of those have shifted to later in the year. And so they're seeing now more than 40% of deliveries in the last half of the year, which, um, oh. which is kind of interesting. So I don't, it'll be, that'll be curious to see what happens in the fourth quarter. Well, also because of the supply chain, which has loosened up a little bit, but it still lags behind yes. uh, the, the desire to have the newer avionics, the engines, newer aircraft. Mm-hmm. And even when you look at avionics, you and Jill talked about this last episode, a lot of the avionics in particular are going into new aircraft versus mm-hmm. into upgrading an aircraft that a lot of us already have. Um, yeah. But yeah, those gamma numbers are really strong this year. Um, the fact that they are approaching or, or have in some cases exceeded 2019 are pretty interesting. Mm. Uh, I think that's so we're the back. year that yeah, we have to go back to 2019 because of uh, COVID. But I think that that's, that's something to keep an eye on. All right. So as far as you're concerned, we're, we're back. We're back in business, back to at least where I we really were pre-COVID. I really think so. I, I yeah. really do. And I think more people are flying GA. I think that they, a lot of folks are flying um, at a higher level. They might be partnering up and uh, doing some of the fractional ownerships. Mm, very true. Uh, Charter. With NetJets. Yep. People think they, I think folks have gotten tired of this commercial airline canceled flights thing when we need to go somewhere. Oh, yeah. Folks who have the means, yeah, they're Gosh. really moving ahead. I mean, what did South, just today, Southwest, I think I read that they canceled 80% of their flights. Uh, just 2,500 yeah. flights. 80%. Those. That's unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah, well, I got a Southwest flight going from uh, from uh, Dallas, Texas back to Baltimore on Friday. We'll, we'll see, see if it actually happens. happens. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. So one thing we agree on, I think everybody probably in aviation agrees on, likely the biggest story of the year. And that is that we have now a viable drop-in replacement for 100 low lead, and it's G100UL from GAMI. And we visited GAMI. Jill Tallman and I visited GAMI. Uh, in the summertime, we talked to George Brawley and, um, his heart is in it and has been in it for a long time. And, you know, they have a really interesting test bed that they have used to test everything from four cylinder engines up to the six cylinder engines. Uh, you know, um, 
even you know high performance six cylinder engines but that 100 octane g100 ul is able to be used now in in every general aviation spark ignition engine in every airframe powered by those engines and that happened in september it is huge news that it was approved i mean if you listen to the interview with george that we had on and then with paul milner you'll see what an effort it took, a collective effort, to get it over the finish line and how much the FAA sort of dragged their feet on this at various times. But it is approved. However, that doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to be able to get it tomorrow or even next year because now they have to they have to overcome all these economic hurdles with the refineries and, and actually get this stuff made. And that's, as we found out by talking to Paul Miller, an entirely new challenge. Yeah, he was really enlightening to, to listen to that interview. Thanks again, Ian, for grabbing him. But, you know, it's a starting point. We know where, where we could go with it. It's, it's been blessed, if you will, yeah. um, by the FAA. And as George Brawley mentioned before, it's, I always mispronounce it, but it's fungible. Mm-hmm. You know, that fuel will mix with any fuel that we have right now. And, you know, there are then the Swift 94s out there, too. Let's not forget yep. it. Uh, airports in California right now are already haven't used that because um, those airports that were threatened with no more 100 low mm-hmm. lead automatically shut that down. And a couple of airport, airports that we've been fighting to, uh, to, to make sure that the pilots can still fly, still get their fuel. But there are a couple of options out there. I want to remind folks real quick, Ian, that you can find out more about 100 unleaded by going to aopa.org slash 100 UL. And so you could find a lot more out about that at the AOPA website. And, you know, we're a member of the Eagle Coalition. Uh, That's been meeting for for a while now. Um, Mark Baker um, is a key member of that, as well as some other heavy hitters in the GA community and in the commercial aviation industry as well, because everyone wants to reduce or eliminate the lead. And we do have a deadline now. We've got a mandate to get that out of the atmosphere at a certain date. Most of us are absolutely 100% ready on board, would put it in tomorrow. I think from a an environmental standpoint, from a uh, transportation standpoint, and then most importantly, from an aircraft maintenance standpoint, when you right. look at what lead does to our engines, it is like, get it out of there. We just don't need it anymore. With sticky valves, everything else. The A&P, Ask the A&P's podcast. At least once an episode, this comes up because somebody will call in and they'll say, hey, I've had this, you know, valve sticking issue. And they say, well, you got to lap your valves. And the reason you have to lap your valves is because of the lead scavenging. And so it's like, if it's just gone, we just wouldn't have to worry about that anymore. And I just think that we will all be much happier when that happens. And so um, really, really looking forward to that. Feel like this year we finally got some serious progress. It's just a matter of, you know, what's going to happen now. It's a matter of time to get the infrastructure in place. Um, George probably did indicate that you know that most most on-site facilities can mix the different uh, aspects, the different mm-hmm. chemicals for that G100 UL, and it's not very complicated. David, hey, it's been an incredible year. I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to know your uh, one. Um, we're not going to do five. I want to know one prediction for 2023. Tell me what you think. What are you most looking forward to? The biggest news that we're going to ha- see during the year? Uh, some, maybe something unexpected. What, what, what do you think is going to happen? You know, Ian, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to put you on the spot and ask oh, for one of your predictions. Oh, fantastic. I beat you. For <laughs> Good. I get, to, oh, I get to sit here and think for a minute. 
But um, I'll tell you what I think, uh, what I really think. I think that, that there's a lot of hype and a lot of buzz on the eVTOL market. While I approve of the, um, of, the, of the concept for that, I really do not see a practical aspect that I could relate to at this point. And unless you have 100 eVTOLs lined up with four to 16 passengers in each one, I don't see how that's going to alleviate the traffic in a Washington, D.C. or a New York City or a L.A. or an Atlanta area. So my prediction is that the eVTOL market is going to simmer down. I hmm. think that my prediction is that it, we're going to see a shakeout in the eVTOL world, and we're going to see very specific um, modes of eVTOL use. But basically, I think it's going to be from GA airport to regional airport. I think there might be the sweet spot for an eVTOL in that. I don't see me and you getting in our George Jetson eVTOL device and buzzing to the Giant or the Kroger grocery store. Yeah. So that is my prediction. Shake out in the eVTOL world. Okay. All right. I like it. All right. So I'm not going to give you one. I'm going to give you two related That's no to fair. No, I know. But well, mine aren't as, as profound That's as okay. yours. Mine aren't as profound. I'm glad, I'm glad you got, I'm glad you put your thinking cap on. All right. So I think as much as we want it to, the supply chain problems will not get better in 2023. Oh, Ian, um, you're killing me. I think they will continue, especially when you look at what's going on. China has stopped their zero COVID policy, so they're probably going to have an outbreak, which will, you know, delay some raw materials from there. Yeah. So okay. the labor issues are structural in the sense that a lot of people took early retirement and it takes a long time to get companies back up to speed. I okay. just don't see anything that's going to change the supply chain problems. So your prediction is continued supply chain woes. Yes, there will be places where it's better. And there will be places where it's worse, but overall, I think it's going to be the same. If not, if not worse, I don't think it's going to get markedly better. Let's put it that way. Well, I like your analysis of that looking into the raw materials, looking into the fact that a lot of folks retired, looking into the global economy. I could I could put some weight on that, Ian, and I would say that that was a really darn good prediction. Now we need to revisit this in December. Yeah, we're going to have to see what happens. I'm also going to say that. G100UL will not be widespread. However, it will be more widely available in California, where I think they're going to try and focus to provide some relief there from airports that have preemptively banned 100 low lead. Well, I would love to see that because I think that getting a practical application of that G100UL out there and showing that it can be used will lead the way for um, more approvals elsewhere. And, and I mean, not approvals really, but for more infrastructure to yeah, put acceptance. on board elsewhere. Yep. A- absolutely. Because yeah. like anything else in aviation, you want to make sure it does work. We know it does. George says it does. He's he's provided the, uh, the lab does. results. Yeah. yeah. But uh, okay, so that's your so those are your two predictions. That's it. That's it. Well, can I can I add one more? For yeah, me? let's hear Since it. You yeah. had two. I'm okay, okay, let's hear it. I think that we're going to see a little bit. Remember, I just was talking about eVTOLs mm-hmm. and electricity and that kind of thing. I mm-hmm. do think we're going to see an advancement in battery technology, a significant advancement this year in battery technology, particularly in the United States. Why, you might ask. Uh, President Biden, about a month or so ago, laid the foundation for that and enticed some manufacturers to come up with a better plan 
for battery technology. Mm. I think now that there is some uh, bigger effort to have uh, you know, more money involved in that, more enticement to have involved in that, I think we might maybe break through what's been holding us back in the electric battery department. So that is, okay. that's, I'm going out on a limb. For I that would, hand. I would love for you to be right. I would love it. Very cool. All right, David. So I think we, I think we covered the big stuff. We got a couple of predictions. We're going to write them down and we'll revisit it next December and see how we did. In the meantime, Merry Christmas, happy new year, happy holidays. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks for our normal show. All right, Ian, I'm so glad we got together for this. And to all of our Hangar Talk listeners, we just want to thank you for being loyal listeners. Uh, Y'all stuck with us for seven years so far. This is amazing. Uh, We're always glad to hear from our listeners or from our YouTube viewers now when we Mm -hmm. do this program on YouTube occasionally. So um, let's see if we can keep the communication lines open. I would like for folks to uh, write in if they could. They can find me at david.tulis at aopa.org. They can certainly email podcasts at aopa.org and I'll monitor that. Yep. Okay, let's do that. So folks have ideas for the for, for guests that we want to um, maybe talk to or some topical ideas. We're always open to that. Yeah. And listen, even though Austin uh, Hansen, our longtime engineer, is not here with us this week, uh, we really appreciate all the work he's done all year long. And I hope that he'll Absolutely. be back on board soon. Yeah. All right. We'll see you soon. Thanks, David. See you, Ian. Hangar Talk from AOPA. Your freedom to fly.